today, I want to talk about He changed the world and He can change you. Uh, in all of our testimonies, in my testimony, um, when I received the Holy Ghost at Karakalinga in 1981, um, it was instantaneous that I realised that Christ was alive from having a head full of, uh, you know, talking about our sister there with headaches. So I used to get headaches all the time from questions that would roll around in my mind that I never seemed to be able to answer. And when I would answer one question after great analysing of my mind, because I'm a thinker, it would only promote more questions in my head. Well, if that's the case, then what does this mean? So it was always a constant chase of trying to find the ultimate answer in my life without realising it at the time, but I was in some sort of pursuit of the truth. So um, down at Karakalinga uh, in 1981, um, Ben Robinson, if he's floating around, uh, took me to a car park uh, down at the uh, Karakalinga near the beach there and he prayed for me to receive the Holy Spirit. He laid hands on me and he prayed. Um, I just asked God for the Holy Ghost. I didn't say hallelujah. I thought that every human being got given one chance to uh, receive the Holy Ghost and if you didn't get it, because I'd read earlier on many years ago about uh, many called, a few were chosen. So I thought, oh, okay, many get a chance to hear the gospel uh, but only a few of them would be chosen. And uh, so if I ask God for the Holy Spirit and it doesn't happen in this one only opportunity that every human being had, um, then, then I wasn't it. And that's literally how I thought. I actually didn't realise that you could pray over and over and over until you get the Holy Spirit. I literally thought you only had one chance. So I asked God for the Holy Ghost. I didn't say hallelujah. I couldn't get the word ghost down. I just burst out in tongues. It's pure language. came flowing out of my soul, bubbling up from down here and out this brilliant language, clear as a bell, came flowing out of me. And the first statement that I uttered after that, when I opened up my eyes... Um, was Christ is alive. Christ is alive. Now before that, I didn't have a clue. I wanted him to be real. I had no evidence. And so we're talking about here again, he changed the world and he can change you. He changed my life dramatically from uh, no more drugs, no more alcohol, uh, no more cigarettes, swearing and blaspheming. And the Lord just re-changed my life. He redirected it. And if you get spirit-filled today... I'll tell you right here and now, you'll change totally. You will not be the same human being that walks out this hall today if you receive the Holy Ghost. You'll be a new person, brand new. It's a little bit like it requires faith for that to happen. Um, If you can imagine that back wall uh, was um, God saying, I want you to run full pelt into that wall, as hard as you can, into that wall. And uh, he requires a bit of faith that he, he tells you that just as you get to that wall, I'm going to make a door out of it and you're going to go sail right through. So with the kingdom of God, we've got to make a bit of a run-up and go with your faith that, the Lord, that he will give you. And the way that that happens, you open up your mouth, you say hallelujah, you praise the Lord, you say yes, I'll get baptised. So behind the curtain here is a baptism tank. We baptise people fully immersed underwater. We don't christen on the head, that's not in the Bible. We do exactly what Jesus did under the water. You go and you pray for the Holy Spirit. So you're running full pelt into that wall, and if you really believe that that wall is going to come into a door, you're going to run harder, and through you'll go. And that's what God wants us to be. 
if you don't believe, if you have a little bit lacking in faith, you're going to slow down a bit and you won't run and you'll just hesitate and you'll just think, no, that's going to stay a wall, I'll wait. And you pull back and you don't experience anything from God. Today, we want you to run through that wall because God's there for you to receive the Holy Ghost, to speak in tongues, you'll be a changed person, a brand new living being today if you want that. And that's the power we have with God. In Chernobyl, back in the 80s, uh, there was a, a nuclear disaster there. There's a lady by the name of Oksana. I worked with her. She was 16 at the time. And um, she didn't realise she was playing basketball with her friends. This basketball court in, in the Ukraine over in Europe. She thought it was a big, it was a sunny day in the morning. By the end of the day, there was all these clouds and it was raining. She didn't realise it was acid rain or nuclear rain. She got home and found out there'd been a disaster at Chernobyl. She spent the next few weeks trying to detox herself, wash, 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 and all, all these sort of things. A little bit after that, she got cancer, and. Um, there was all these people trying to help her out. She had to spend weeks lying on, on grass because grass was somehow, the, the, the poisons of grass would get into her skin and the uh, chemicals from the grass would heal her, her, her body, her cancer. Um, that didn't work. She had uh, potions that she had to drink that would help her, really bad, horrible, sort of mushroomy tasted sort of uh, chemicals that would help her. That didn't work. She came to Australia... And, um, and just before she came to Australia, she met a woman who was spirit-filled and baptised in, in um, the Ukraine. She prayed with her and she was totally healed of her cancer. Then she arrived in Australia, came along here and got baptised and spirit-filled, changed by the power of God. That's the sort of thing we're talking about. The moment you come in contact with the real God, the signs one is a miracles God, you'll never, ever be the same person. And, that, and we praise the Lord for that because we want to change. He changed the world, as we're going to read here today. So we've got this story here in, in chapter 1 of John, verse 43. Of John chapter 1, did I say that? Verse 43. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael and said unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now somewhere along the line they had an understanding, even though there's no real direct prophecy to do with Jesus of Nazareth. But here they were talking about this is the God, this is the Messiah. Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Nazareth was a very small town, um, a country town, and he was from another place, Cana, uh, uh, Nathaniel, about four or five miles away, and it was a very sleepy hollow. There was no reference to scripture to the Lord Jesus Christ coming from this, the Messiah, coming out of, uh, out of Nazareth. So there was no good thing coming that would be, that you'd expect from, uh, out of Nazareth. And, um, you know, we, we might take it around the world today. Where we've come from. You know, I lived down in Port Adelaide when I was a child. Can any good thing come out of Port Adelaide? They might ask. Well, <laughs> it's from there. Um, and of course the answer is categorically maybe. No. <laughs> um, you know, can any good thing come out of Kangaroo Island? I mean, you know, the place of great <laughs> Pastor Chaz. <laughs> um, Rotterdam. 
Pastor Paul. <laughs> Port Lincoln, you're born Pastor George. Blackwood, what about you, Michael? Gillis Plains, I, I lived at Clemsic for a while there. Uh, you know, wherever we're from, we've got uh, uh, Hanover, I think, is that right, Barbara? You're from Hamburg. I mean, can any good thing come out of Hamburg, you ask yourself? Hamburgers. <laughs> so you've got it all there. Uh, so where you've come from, can any good thing come out of that place? Where you've come from, and the answer is yes. Because you've changed. You're a new person in Christ. So here's Nathaniel, just completely convinced there's nothing good can come out of this place. So then he says, um, uh, verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom is no God. Very important for Christ to see that. Nathanael said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? How do you know me? Jesus said unto him, Before that Philip called you, when you was under the fig tree, I saw you. That is just amazing, isn't it? I mean, he wasn't even there, but he was there. And this is the sort of thing that wherever you are today, in your sleepy hollow, in your can any good thing come out of where you are, Christ wants you to know categorically today he's there with you. Broken homes, troubled life, drugs, crime, uh, wherever it might be. We've got uh, Brother Eddie who, who uh, fell off the perch there for a while. He came along and he he's, um, went out into the world again. He's trying to make his peace with God. He's in jail for crimes that he'd done previously. Um, he's got to f- finish his sentence off. And he's prayed with five people to receive the Holy Ghost and they've all received in jail. So um, he's doing his bit. He's found found peace with God after so many years running away from where he was in in his life, very heavily involved in drugs and reliant upon drugs. He changed big time. And it it was too much for him in a sense. He couldn't get hold of it. He lost his faith and his belief and he reverted back for a while and now he's trying to make a real go of it. On March 12th this year, he was uh, with some of his uh, things that he had to plead against. He rang, he rang me up, he rings most days, and he said, I, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, I know what you should do. Why don't you give Pastor Chad a call and ask him the same question? And whatever Pastor Chad says, then ring me back, and then if we've got the same answer, then maybe take that from the Lord. Um. Rang back about half an hour later, he said, I pleaded guilty. Even though the Lord stipulates that he can plead not guilty, he pleaded uh, a guilty on that particular day. March 13, he goes to court and, and pleads guilty. A little while later, he finds out, unbeknownst to, to many of us here, and to me and to anyone who's going on, that on March the 12th of, that, of this same year, there had been a law passed that anybody that pleaded guilty uh, would be, have a reduced sentence of 40%. He didn't know that. Um, so he went in, in, in a sense and step in faith to plead his guilt. This is things that he did prior to coming along and he's been making his way back with the Lord. Now God honoured that. 
And I believe that he's trying to make a real goal. But up until Thursday of last week, he prayed with a young man who's in jail uh, and he took him into his cell. He's got the uh, thing there, he's got to put the towel over the door so that the, the, the wardens will leave him alone. They really respect him and he takes people into his cell and he prays for them to receive the Holy Ghost. So he's free. He's been set free even though he's in prison. God's giving him another chance, a second chance we heard about through the convention, didn't we? About the second chance that we have. And we need second chances. We need third and fourth and fifth chances sometimes in our relationship with God because we change so much. We go from being out in the world where we're lost, we're blind to our sin, and we come along to the Lord and we've got this brand new start, the Holy Ghost, and we've got to learn how, how to use it and how it works. And God is so gracious to us. Nathaniel says here he was sitting under a fig tree. What was he doing? Was he meditating? Was he um, giving up on life? Was he just watching people go by, just wondering what people were doing? We often will do. If you go to a coffee shop, you can just sit down and without judging people, just sit by watching people go by. But whatever he was doing, he was under this fig tree, really not in tune with God at all in the sense that he hadn't found his peace with God. And then, verse 49, Nathaniel answers and says, Rabbi, which is Master, you're the Son of God. Thou art King of Israel. From just the fact that Jesus Christ was able to say, Nathaniel, I saw you and what you were doing. In my drug state, in the world that I had before when I was living at McLaren Flats and taking an amazing amount of drugs every single day for many, many years. There was not a day go by I was not taking drugs and I was producing and growing these things and alcohol and cigarettes. I tried many times to give up smoking, couldn't do it. Tried and tried and tried. Tried to have my fresh starts, couldn't do it. And yet the moment I received the Holy Ghost that Christ saw me, figuratively speaking, under that fig tree. He saw you and I before when we were in our lost state. And then we realise, when we get witness to, hey, there's an answer to this. So verse 50, Jesus answered and said, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than this. And he said unto him, Truly, truly, I say unto you, hereafter shall you see heaven open up and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. From sitting under a fig tree to literally seeing heaven open up of what Christ was about to do. Nathaniel spent the next three and a half years of his life seeing amazing miracles, people being raised from the dead, uh, people having their lives dramatically changed by what he witnessed, Nathaniel saw, from a guy sitting under a fig tree to spending the next three and a half years of his life beholding first-hand eyewitness of what Jesus Christ was doing in the lives of people. Now, that is a spectacular change, an amazing change that happened to him. But if we go to John chapter 21 and see... that there was still a missing ingredient. John chapter 21. It was now three and a half years later, or thereabouts, give or take a few months. 
Jesus died. He's raised from the dead. After these things, verse 1 of chapter 21, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples of the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter, Thomas Dimas, and Nathaniel Cain of Galilee, and the son Zebedee, and the two other disciples. And Simon said to them, I go out fishing. I'm bored. I've lost my way, and um, it wasn't able to hold him. Jesus, while he was alive, while he walked with them, he was able to hold them together. But the moment Jesus died, it all started to fall apart and break up again. And uh, now we'll see... What happened, we go to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. You see here, through his ministry, verse 37, just before he dies, Jesus dies. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood, verse 37 of chapter 7, and cried, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scriptures have said, out of his belly, out of his inner soul, would flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe in him would receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. The missing piece to Nathaniel pursuing this incredible change in his life was the Holy Ghost. And if we go to Acts chapter 2, so we see this guy... First-hand miracles, raising of the dead, people being healed of leprosy, the blind being healed, Jesus uh, challenging the scribes and the Pharisees, um, war into wine, walking on water, incredible stuff, ceasing the winds, the storms that were happening, feeding the 5,000, just some of the things that Nathaniel saw in his three and a half years, while after he's sitting on this fig tree, he sees and says, you're the son of God, he goes through, Jesus dies, and for that 50-day period between the death of Jesus Christ on the cross and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, where Nathaniel says, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to what I was sort of doing. I'm going back to my fig tree. And the missing ingredients, as we see here in Acts chapter 1, they're all sitting in the upper room, waiting, verse 8, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, unto the outermost parts of the world, to the places, guess where, can any good thing come out of the place where you live, where you abide, or what you're doing? The lifestyle, the drugs, the crime, the religion. So bogged down in the religious ceremony of life that... There's no power of the Holy Ghost in your life. And then on chapter 2, 50 days after Jesus dies, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared clothed and tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. When you can speak in tongues, you're being detoxed. Like back in Chernobyl, people were getting the, their uniforms on, the 
gowns and they were getting sprayed with all of this sort of stuff to try and detox people from the effects of radiation and many people died because it was ineffective. When you go through the veil, if you like, from being a non-spirit-filled person to a person that's filled with the Holy Ghost speaking tongues, you've almost gone through a detox process. Your soul that was poisoned from this life, your mind that was corrupted by this world, your physical body that's been damaged by the things that you did. You go through that veil and he washes you clean. Body, mind and soul. Salvation. Who's been healed by the power of God? Who speaks in tongues? Who enjoys praying in tongues? Yes. And the waters of baptism is that process. And we live forever. Forever. We're going to live. We're going to change. This body's going to change one day. Don't know what sort of body we're going to get. Hercules, no problem. Rambo, eat your heart out. We're going through with this incredible detox process. We're going to be restored totally, body, mind and soul. But we've got to go through that wall. Because before you come to the Lord, it is a wall. And you've got to have a bit of belief. And when you start praising the Lord, he can use your mouth. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, I will be baptised. That is your efforts to show that that wall is going to turn into a door. And you do that, and in you go. Jesus talked about when you receive the Holy Ghost, that the wind blows where it listeth, and you hear the sound thereof, you can't tell where it's coming and where it's going. It's like when you have a tree by your house, you can often lie in bed. Or when you're in your or kitchen, you can hear a wind blowing through a tree. You can't tell where that wind's going or where it's coming from, but you can hear the sound of the leaves moving around as it makes that sound, as it whistles through past those leaves and branches of that tree. Well, when you receive the Holy Ghost, you don't know where the Holy Spirit's coming. You can't see it. But when you get it, you'll speak in tongues. You'll have this amazing experience with God and it will change your life. Because when you have hard times, you'll be able to pray in the Spirit and the Lord will reward you openly for all the things that you've done in, this, in, in your life with the Lord. I had to check up on a story um, because I heard about this story. They're talking about um, with Nathaniel how much he was rewarded by seeing the kingdom of God and, and the, the things that would follow afterwards. There was a young boy from a poor family um, where he was doing some errands and trying to collect money. He was hungry and he decided to ask for food from the next person who answered the door as he was going through. He ended up asking for a glass of water. However, the woman saw that he was uh, quite thirsty in Tennessee in America, gave him a glass of milk and a cookie. Many years later... This boy is now a famous physician. I had to check this story, and it's a guy by the name of Dr. Howard Kelly, and there's a biography that he accounts this story. An author by the name of Audrey Davis wrote a book about him. There's a university named after him in America, so he's quite a famous doctor. But in his life, he remembers being this little boy, really quite thirsty in and around this place in Tennessee. Years later... This little uh, girl that had given him the glass of milk had, had grown up to be a young woman and she had a need. She had some cancer and she needed surgery. But over in America, you've got to pay for your own uh, medical expenses, so there's no way that this woman had the money to do that. 
he took personal interest in the, uh, when he went through, he recognised where this person was from and then recognised her name and then realised it was the same person. So when he took personal interest in her story, operated on her, and when the time came for the bill to be paid, it had paid in full with one glass of milk and a cookie. Now that's a reward. One little glass of milk. Isn't that amazing? True story. I wasn't too sure. It sounded a bit too, too far-fetched. But he's, he's written in his book, his biography, about this, this one moment in his life. Now how amazingly different is it for you and I when Christ said, you're going to see heaven opening Ascending and descending, the Son of Man, angels coming down, up and down on the Son of Man. We're going to be able to read this book that we've never been able to decipher when we receive the Holy Ghost. We can pick it up, we can enjoy the reading and the behold the wonder of God's Bible because we have the Holy Ghost. What an amazing reward we have now. He changed the world. He changes you and I every single day. In uh, Talking about rewards, in a place called Villas, Brett-Touan-X, which is a place in France, uh, the, the uh, Australian soldiers protected this city, this town, um, in 1919. There's a graveyard there, and the uh, British expedition forces, and also some Australians. 770 Australian soldiers are buried there. The school is so appreciative of what, or the city, the township, of what they did, and they always wanted to reward the efforts that these people put in to save their town, that to this day they commemorate uh, the Anzac Treaty in, in, on Anzac Day. And on all their blackboard inscriptions around the schools is let us never forget Australia. Now, there's only little things, but... People, if, if human beings, if we then being evil know how to give good gifts unto our children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Ghost to them that ask? If we can have stories like this, where if someone goes out of their way and does a little good thing and, and it's rewarded so, so well, Jesus is saying, I'm going to reward you with eternal life. I'm going to reward you that you're going to live forever. I'm going to reward you so that you can be set free. Let's have a look in uh, John in chapter 8. Let's just have a look at another verse here. John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 31. Then said Jesus to the Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. There's a certain price you've got to pay, pay if you've got the truth. We have a responsibility to mankind. We have a responsibility to make sure that we preach the truth to people's lives. There's a lot of compromise out there. People say you don't need to be baptised. People say you don't need to speak in tongues. You don't need the Holy Spirit. And they themselves may have it. They might be able to pray in the Holy Spirit and pray in tongues. Where's the freedom in that? If you've got the Holy Ghost and you speak in tongues, and you tell another person that's not required. Where's the freedom in that, the responsibility with that? Our doctrine of salvation is that we believe people need to be baptised by full immersion, they need to receive the Holy Spirit, 
with the evidence of speaking in tongues and to walk on with God and to believe that God will continue to work in our lives and set us free. Guy in America, born in the turn of the century, had a very good life. Uh, in, in 1930, he went to Berlin to study engineering. His family was from Norway. And um, it's called the Heroes of Telmark, famous uh, uh, underground freedom fighters in Norway. Uh, the Germans were trying to create heavy water plants in Norway to bring on a nuclear war or to bring on the atomic bomb. This guy had a choice. I can go back to the United States of America as an engineer, to my bit, or I can go on to Norway as an underground freedom fighter. And he chose to do the latter. He went back to Norway in 1940 and spent the next many years of his life for the remainder of the war in the freedom fighter movement to make sure that Germany uh, would not get hold of the atomic bomb. So they went into this ship in this big lake, his team, they snuck aboard a ferry which would hold this heavy water for nuclear, for an atomic bomb, set a time on board the ferry, time to blow up exactly when the ferry was in the middle of this lake. It worked perfectly with the entire German cachet of heavy water sinking to the bottom of the lake and thereby postponing Germany getting access to um, the atomic bomb at the time of the Second World War. There is a price to pay for us being freedom fighters. We move into people's lives. We find the fig tree people, people that are sitting around that need help. We move into the, the place that Jesus said, we're in the beginning of sorrows. There's um, a, a prophecy that we talk about, if you want to have a look, Matthew 24. These, these things affect people personally. Since 1900, for example, there's been 230 outbreaks of war at millions and millions and millions of people's lives being destroyed and dying from war. Jesus said here in Matthew 24, verse 5, it was verse 4, it says, When shall the end of the world be? Jesus said, um, Take heed that no man deceive you. Verse 5, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. Now the Jonestown massacre, David Koch in Waco, or Waco if you want to call it, we're, uh, you know, hundreds of people. Jones said 909 people lost their lives under the name of Christendom. And Jesus said, be careful about these things, about doctrines of salvation. And then he said, you'll hear rumours of war and say that you be not troubled, for these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. These are the beginning of sorrows. We have a lot of sorrow on our world today. A lot of sorrow. We've had 230 outbreaks of war since 1900, costing, I think it's actually almost a billion lives destroyed. That's just those that have died without the displacement of people around our world today. We've got people around our world that we just recently, we had the people baptised, as Pastor Paul was saying, 20. Two of them were from... Um, Persia boat people um, and they were last night praying for the Holy Spirit one of them has gone from not knowing Jesus Christ at all to saying last night so if I keep Jesus 
in the front of my eyes, in my life, that I'm going to get the Holy Spirit and live forever? Yes. Oh. And he starts opening up about his life. We talk about freedom, the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot of sorrow in our world today. And Jesus is saying, I've come to set you free. Be baptised. Broken marriages. Wrong marriages. War. Displaced people. Famine. Earthquakes in parts of Africa. and So on unemployment, 25, 28% of unemployment and youth in Europe. This quarter has a lot of people, young people without work hoping that they might be able to just be normal people. That 25% of them have no hope. And we need to go to these people and find them under the fig tree and say, your life's going to change. Uh, our health system is collapsing by the weight of people who've got mental disorder, who have been disfigured mentally, emotionally by life of what it's dishing out. And Jesus said, this is just the beginning of sorrow. And we have the happiness and the answers to bring peace to people's lives. And we have a responsibility as freedom fighters to go out and to find them. Yeah, you can have a choice. You can go to your homes and live comfortably and you're spirit-filled, baptised, but I believe there'll be a cost. But if you go out as a freedom fighter and pursue people, their lives will be dramatically changed. And God will change their lives and continue to change ours as we come to the Lord and all the people said, Amen.